This episode is with my friend Sean, who is a runner, and he does a lot of big adventure runs. And in this episode, we mentioned a couple things that I should kind of explain a little bit. One of them, Sean says, rim to rim to rim, which for those of you who don't know, that is running or I guess hiking across the Grand Canyon and back. So rim to rim would be going one way, rim to rim to rim to rim. I think I got that right. <laughs> would be going one way and then back in one go. And then another thing he mentions, which he's planning on attempting this summer is Nolan's 14, which is a route in Colorado where you have 60 hours to do 14 14ers in a mountain range in Colorado. So yeah, Sean does a lot of big adventure stuff. He also does a lot of long distance racing and... Yeah, so I hope you enjoy, and please let me know anything I can improve on, because this is the second episode. I feel like I did a little bit better job this time, felt a little bit more comfortable with this one, and hopefully it's a little bit better than the first one. All right, thanks for listening. All right, so I'm going to ask you a first question, and then I'm going to talk more in reference to why I'm asking it, and then that'll allow you to think about it, your answer. Um, so I want to know, when you're setting your goals or even planning your big adventures, how much does the possibility of failure play into that? And I'm asking because a couple of weeks ago, with my goal of breaking five minutes for the mile, I I hit some kind of mental wall of doubt or um, or wondering if I could even do it. And I think part of that had to do with me being sick and I had to take a week off. And when I came back from running or to running, I wasn't where I thought I was. So my times were slower than what I expected, even taking a week off. And it was a lot rougher than I thought. And there was even a point where I was kind of wondering, you know, do I even want to run anymore? What's the point of it? Why am I even wanting to do this goal kind of a thing? And then I was even referencing back to my 100 milers. When I decided to do those, it was, I never had that. It was weird because like I, even for my first 100 miler, I wasn't thinking like, I'm going to fail at this. It was like, I knew I was going to finish. So I didn't think I was ever going to fail. But now with this 50 mile or the five minute mile thing, it's kind of like, damn, this shit's hard. It's a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> and you do, you do a lot of adventure stuff, a lot more crazier things, I would think. And so I want to know when you're setting your goals, how much do you think about failure, if any? And does that make you set the bar higher for what you try to achieve? Sure, but question first, did you actually go out for the five minute mile um, two weeks ago? Or was this just training? This is just training. And yeah. So you, okay, you didn't actually yeah. take a run at it. So yeah, it was one of those, like I took a week off, I was running great, took a week off cause I was sick and then got back to it. And it was like trying to run like six minute pace for 800 gotcha was like awful okay yeah i yeah. just i didn't know so um i think there's a varying different degree um when it comes to solo adventures uh there's no question i played on the safe side i it's fine <laughs> sorry yeah um we, i play it more on the safe side meaning like I was just on top of Comb Ridge and I was, you know, running and there were some like really cool traverses with maybe a foot on either, like I had a foot of trail to work with and then it just broke off like five, 600 feet fall or footfall. Um, since I was alone, um, that's something I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't continue to do just because the failure there is, is, is a lot, is a lot, um, higher, but 
you know, I, I think you make a great point about when you every race you sign up for, you kind of expect to finish. Um, and almost every adventure you do, you expect to finish in, in a certain way. Um, so, like, I, I feel like I, I did. I've started all my adventures small uh, with the with knowing I'm going to finish. But like to me, the the Barclay marathons have become more appealing because you're not designed to finish; you're designed to fail. Mm-hmm. So if you do finish, it's um, you more you not only exceeded expectations, you you essentially foiled you essentially foiled the course and everything. So I don't know. I think adventures you think about failing or anything. But I would say it's more, I just almost want the biggest bang for the buck type deal. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe failure doesn't so much come into it. But it's like, how can I maximize my time and see as much stuff as I can? And really, like, I don't think there is a failure when you don't accomplish something because... I don't know, you learn so much more and like just when things don't go to plan, like that's when you start growing. So I don't know, failure is an interesting thing. Like I almost, I define failure as not stepping out there and doing an adventure now. Failure is not, failure is getting, not getting to a starting line. Failure is not taking a risk. Failure is just letting things pass you by and just going about your daily routine in life. So yeah, I guess failure to me, I don't know. Does that even answer the question? I get like, it. Yeah. And I was thinking too, it's like hard to like, when you set a goal or plan an adventure, you, it's hard to like expect the, like the failure or even the doubt leading up to it. So you can't like expect it to come, but when it comes, it's kind of like, holy shit, like, is this right. goal, like, too much? So, like, you're you're planning on doing the Nolan's 14 this summer. How much, you know, how much are you thinking about failure or the possibility of not finishing? And does that amplify why you want to do it? Like, because not right. many people have done it. Yeah, and I guess I, I should have clarified a lot of the adventures I do of, like, just doing, like, a Zion Traverse or Bryce Traverse or some Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. Um, Like a lot of those adventures are kind of like choose your own route, choose your own destination in in a way. So like really there's no such thing as a failure there where like Nolan's has a set time limit Mm -hmm. and you have to hit 14 peaks. You know, I've been (laughs) failure. (laughs) Failure is almost motivating in a sense of like that, of knowing I only have 60 hours. Um, So like, I think it's like one of those things you could just use to your advantage. There's definitely a thought of like, what happens if I don't finish? But I feel like that's such a dark place to dwell on. Yeah. Um, not saying that darkness is 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 bad because there's times I feel like you use your advantage, but I just think there's no reason to try to like dwell. Like I, I feel like the only time it will dawn on me is when I'm out there doing it. When I'm out there training, there's no reason to be like I could fail. Well, yeah. I, I could die. Like <laughs> now, I could I could break a leg right now. I could. Uh, I could have a stroke, right? Like, there's all these what, like, what ifs, and it's just maybe being like naive or something. But I, I guess I don't think about it until the event, and then while you're in the event, it's just all about like enjoying the moment. Yeah. Um. So I guess you know what? If like I don't finish Nolan's, like, it is what it is. Like. Yeah, it's a it's it's a quote unquote failure on paper, but just think about all the people who never got to even like take a run at Nolan's, or even like you know, could like ninety nine percent of this population can't even can't even dream about doing something like Nolan's. So uh-huh. yeah, on paper it's a failure, but it's it's an experience for sure. 
do you feel like I know Nolan's will be in its own league, but do you feel like with the races you do and stuff that you're setting your goals high enough or the bar high enough? Like, do you think you could accomplish more or do a lot more? It, I, you know, you don't, you don't seem to tire. Like I've seen you at the end of a, when you ran from Durango to Lake City, you mean you looked kind of tired, but I'm sure you probably could have gone on, gone another week. And then it, I've seen you at a hundred miler where, you know, it, in your eyes and your speech, you look, you seem tired, but you don't seem tired. <laughs> right. And it's, it's, I don't mean to disrespect Nolan's at all. Um, <laughs> the only thing I'm nervous about Nolan's is route finding. I'm not worried about route finding and weather. Are, are the two I'm going to be the most concerned about. Um, and the reason why that is, is, um, I mean, like, the URA 100 was eye-opening. Just due to, like, it was 42,000 feet of climbing. Yes, I understand. It was on single track, Jeep roads, all that jazz. But, like, I don't know. I felt like I could keep walking. I could keep going. And Nolan's is supposed to be around a hundred ish miles, hundred and twenty ish miles, and you have sixty hours, and it's supposed to have around fifty thousand feet of gain. So like that's like on paper the only difference between your ray um and Nolan's is route. So I mean I don't know what the average elevation of your ray was, but I wanna say it's around eleven thousand ish. So, like, Nolan's is going to be the same thing. True. So, I guess, like, I know I'm not fast, but it's more of, like, don't tell me I can't do something. Maybe that's because I was, like, a youngest child or something. Uh-huh. Where, like, I was always, you know, like, always chasing after my brothers and always getting picked on. So, it's just, like, I don't know, maybe it's, like, mentally, it's just, like, don't tell me um, <laughs> I can't finish something. So I feel like if I get some type of route beta for Nolan's, mm-hmm. um, I don't see why I couldn't finish it other than weather um, because I won't take the risk of lightning or yeah. or that. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just kind of foolish. <laughs> um, how... Or like, yeah, how did you get your adventurous nature? Was it a parent, a brother? Did you read a book, watch a movie? Oh, like how man. Did, how did this all start? Oh, <laughs> oh that that's a can of worms. Um, I was living, um, I moved back to Chicago from living and teaching in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um... I was managing a, a little personal gym and and I just it was like I don't I don't wanna say it's like the grind. Like I had a great like I, I went on runs with people at the gym while getting paid for it. Like I just I gotta do all sorts of cool stuff. Like we raced as a team, like like entry fees were paid for and everything. And I just I just felt one day I was just like I like I don't want to live in a big city. Like I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. And I, I don't know, this was like October, early October. And, um, and I just remember going to my boss and going like, um, I'm done. I'm done working. Like I, I need to, I need to like do like a major lifestyle change. I felt like I was just getting in the groove of everything and, um, big city life. And so what I did, um, and I, I, my parents like went crazy. I put in a two weeks notice. Um, I was also working at a bike shop at the time, ordered a touring bike, um, packed it all up. And I think I, I want to say I left November 7th or 8th from Chicago and people like, where are you going? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like I'm headed West. That's all I know. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know, maybe like Costa Rica, like California. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to head west. And like, we'll do a route plan. And I'm like, no, like, I I just want to like essentially throw everything into the wind and just let things go from there. Um, 
And it's funny, the first day I actually rode southeast out of Chicago and I rode east and south uh, <laughs> because I'm like, all right, well, I set, I gave myself a little safety net. I said, I'll ride to Louisville, Kentucky, and we'll go from there um, because I have friends there. Worst comes to worst, I'll rent a car, drive home. Because I never bike toured before or anything. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> so, like, I rode Chicago, just north of Indianapolis, down to Cincinnati. And then down to um, down to Louisville, and and it was just like a great experience. And so then I just kept riding um, to the west. I I made it, I guess southwest. I made it down to New Orleans, and then uh, I just from New Orleans, I I went to San Diego. Um, I I don't I don't know maybe fifty fifty ish days for like thirty seven hundred miles. Um, and like a lot of those day, like I would say I was averaging like a hundred and like 10 miles a day, but like I got caught in a couple of snowstorms, a couple of rainstorms and ice storms where I didn't ride at all. But like, it was the most freeing experience to not worry about anything. Um, so where'd you sleep? Was it mostly camping? Man, I slept under bridges sometimes. I slept at fire stations. I stayed with a bunch of random strangers. Um, it was it was just different. Every single time it was different. So, um, I don't know. It was just like, where am I going tomorrow? It's like, I don't know. If I don't want to ride tomorrow, I'm not going to ride. And just like the experience I had from that... Um, I don't know. I think that's where it was like born of like, stop trying to make other people happy, I guess, by like doing something traditional. And like, I guess I, my parents were mad and at the time, and I was always just concerned of doing what's right for like the family. And, and, and I don't know, I wasn't living for myself. And I would say, so I, I was like 26 years old. And I think that was the first time I ever started like thinking for myself and like making decisions based on what is best for my future and that stuff. So I, I would say that's where it was born. Um, because after that, I uh, hopped a train to Seattle and then rode down the Pacific Coast Highway because my buddy wouldn't. He was supposed to ride to Costa Rica with me from San Diego, but he backed out. Um so we rode down the Pacific Coast Highway. I sold the bike once I got back to San Diego and like bought a baby stroller and <laughs> threw all my gear in it. Um, and and actually, this was this is a, a pretty good example of a failure. I wanted to run across the United States, and you know we have a buddy who actually completed it. Yeah. Um, and you guys left like almost the same week or something. Oh yeah, it was it was eerie. Uh, but and we he, you didn't know him at the time. No, no, didn't know him at the time. But he was going across the northern route, and my thing was, um, I've always been a poor athlete in the heat. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to go through death Valley. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the Mojave desert. Like I'm going to try to like, I'm going to take this route and I'm just, I'm going to like become one. And like, I'm going to finally like face my fears of like, of the heat and really go for it. And it didn't go so well. Um, I remember I just got out on a dirt road that's went for like, I don't know, like 60, 80 miles. And I ran out of water and it was like, Oh my Lord, there's nothing around. There's like oh. no place to filter water. There's like, it was bad. So, but yeah, I would say that's where the adventure, I think that's where I just stopped saying no to anything that sounded new or adventurous. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll try that. What was the, I guess two questions. What was the biggest thing you learned while you're, you're biking across and even running across and then second part is, do you want to finish that that journey of trying to run across the country? Um, biggest thing I learned is probably uh, never panic. Everything always works out in the end. Man, I got caught in like like tornadoes and stuff. Like I remember, like a ranger came by and says, "Like, hey, man, uh, you might want to do something. A tornado was just spotted about fifteen miles from here." 
And uh, I'm like thinking the ranger's going to take me back to the station. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, can I come with you? And he just like drove off. I'm like, I'll just stake down my tent harder. Because <laughs> he like, drove off and I was like laughing. But like, I felt like every time something was like going wrong, like instead of like getting upset about it, it was just like it will work itself out. And then something positive definitely came of that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess never panicking. I just, yeah. Do you plan on going back and trying to run across the country? Not on roads. Really? If I were to do it, I would have, I would try to link as much fire roads and trails together. It's not that like, don't get me wrong. Like I just, I just don't like being on roads. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a huge accomplishment. Just like, I think like anyone who hikes the Appalachian trail, um, or the Pacific crest trail or whatever. And, and I don't, it's kind of sounds snobbish, but like, it's such a defined route now Mm -hmm. that like, it goes back to the thing is like, I'm turned off by the Appalachian trail because it's an expected finish there. Mm -hmm. Like, I know if you give me four months, I finish that thing. Um, you could take that bone away from her. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, but like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Are you gonna be able to like edit this no, out? No, it's fine. Don't worry about yeah. that. <laughs> oh, it's not. Um, so like, yeah, I guess you know what? I guess that's like another thing of like choosing adventures. I, I guess I, I don't like doing stuff that like thousands upon thousands of other people have done mm-hmm. because it's it's not like it's not like a mentality like oh i'm the first one who's done it but i think it's a mentality of the harder an adventure is the less people have done it it's just like it's more rewarding mm-hmm. um so i don't know if that makes sense so like definitely yeah so i don't know maybe Maybe I guess if I could link trails across the nation, I'll do it. But like, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a desire to run on roads and yeah, and, and do that. <laughs> you mentioned leaving home when your parents were kind of mad at first when you left. Um, kind of in a broad sense, do you miss your family and friends? And do you feel like you coming across the country has been a very selfish act. To, to be fair, one of the reasons my parents were mad is I gave them like a seven day notice. <laughs> this, this wasn't this wasn't like, hey guys, I'm uh, I'm leaving in like three months and I'm gonna bike across the country. You know, this was like, hey, I'm leaving in six days uh-huh. type deal. Um, so I could see how they were a little upset, and I, I think the other thing is just no one in my family had ever done anything of that nature um but going back to the question um my parents wouldn't let me go to the university of colorado when i was applying for colleges they essentially knew that once i came west i wasn't coming back so they kind of had like a lot to say in that of like you know you're not going there we're not going to support that um but i mean do I think it's selfish of me to be out here? No. Um, Like, I I think that's, you know, it's funny. We, we try to like stay close to our families, but like at what point do you need to start making decisions for yourself versus your sisters, brothers, or parents? And don't get me wrong. Like something had happened to my parents. I'd be more than happy to move them out here. Mm -hmm. Um, But but no, so I don't think it's selfish of me, of what I did, of moving out here, because um, also my parents want to see me happy, and I've never been happier than when I've since been in Durango. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just wonder because sometimes when I think about my parents or friends, I wonder if they're thinking that I was selfish in my moving out here, and I wonder if like when I'm older. I definitely won't regret it, but if I'm older, wondering if I should have kept a closer tie 
with them, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, I, I feel like everyone um, looks back and, and, you know, if their parents pass and someone, someone close passes, they're like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done this. And, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty of, of that. So, um, do you keep in close contact with them? We talk once a week. Okay. And that's a lot for me. I'm yeah. not a phone person. Um, I'm not either. That's why I ask. Cause it's like, for me, it's like, it's pulling teeth to talk on the phone. It's almost like it'll go, it'll go like two months. And I'm like, I haven't called my parents in two months. So, sure. So yeah, I go in long. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I want to be better about it, but yeah. I, I could go two, three months, but my mom would, would kill me. And like, I feel bad because like, sometimes like, I just want nothing to do with the phone call. Like, she's like, is this a good time to talk? And you can never tell your mom, like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Even though like, I'm eating dinner. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. It's like, hi, I got a quarter and a half of ice cream in front of me. This is a terrible time you're interrupting. Yeah. Um, so do you guys talk at the same time? every week like no, Sunday or whatever no because i mean like i mean we i guess sometimes it's every other week but like i'm just yeah i don't know i mean it's just like honestly like a lot of the stuff like <laughs> this sounds bad like i like don't I, they don't need to know about like, okay. <laughs> like they don't need to know that. you know like our friends you know started doing the beer mile and just got hammered and like hung out at the running store for like three hours and it was a, a huge debacle like, like my parents don't care about that yeah but like that's the stuff that like i get into and then like like for instance i just did uh rim to rim to rim i didn't tell my parents until after i finished because they would have freaked out knowing that one, I left Durango at like 9.30 p.m. <laughs> Two, showed up to the Grand Canyon at like 1.30 and then started oh running it at 2.30. Really? And mind you, this was, a, yeah, the, the night before on work, I got no sleep. So I, I feel like, I don't know, like, I, how do your parents react? To it's the same way. Yeah. Like, I, I, you, you I tell, tell my them. parents after now because yeah, my mom, you know, I, I could just text her and say like, I'm going on an hour long trail run. And she'll be like, what if a berry? It's like, uh, I mean, it's possible, but I'm going to guess they're not. And so you don't right. need to worry, but they just, they go on the like worst tangent possible. Yeah, no. <laughs> so it's just like one of those things. It's like, like you want to tell them as much as you can, but just like a lot of the stuff they're going to be like, I don't know if that's good for you or like, yeah. Sean drinking 12 beers in one night. Like, whoa, <laughs> it's not like it's a nightly occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't like such a weird thing to like, yeah. How much to tell them. Do they come out and visit you, your parents? They haven't. They have not. Uh, and I'm actually, do, I'm do, going to Georgia in a couple of weeks and it'll be the first time I, I've seen them in two years now. For the concert? That I'm going to, yeah. You are? Is that, but is that why you're seeing them? Is yeah. It because you're going back for the concert? Yeah, so it's like a dual. Nice. Dual purpose trip. Yeah, oh, you, I mean, like, honestly, like, don't, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong, like, just, Georgia's like, you know, it has mountains, there's some cool stuff about it, but like, you gotta plan something, like, going back to Chicago is like, brutal, unless like, I have like, <laughs> You know, like I gotta get out for like a night and do something, just because it's like ah, this isn't the mountains. This yeah. isn't where I want to be. Do you miss anything about big city? Absolutely not. Like nothing. No. What's there to miss? <laughs> I miss going to concerts. Right, I can see that. <laughs> um, but like, you know, to my like taste in music's like Bruce Springsteen, uh, Johnny Cat. Like, you know, like it's hard to like find these guys. Like Johnny yeah. Cash is dead. One, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I guess I never went to a lot of concerts. Uh huh. Um, and when I do like concerts, I like going to like really small venues. Okay. Um, I I do not like crowds. Yeah. Uh, crowds like stress <laughs> me out like now. No, I, I honestly, what else would you? What else do you miss about a big city? Like, yeah. just start rattling stuff off. There. Like, I mean, aside people... from like friends and I guess family. Um, yeah, I would probably say like concerts and maybe like comedy clubs yeah com but like yeah but yeah I mean, beyond that, that it's here. like i mean sure the comedy's yeah. not as great here um, <laughs> yeah 
and like I don't like and this is maybe just more Chicago versus where you come from in Georgia since you do have an outdoor scene like yeah I miss my friends in a way but here's what I know my friends are doing they're going out to a restaurant, yep. then they're going out to bars. And watching college football or something. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Like, no offense, like love spending time with them, but can I do that for a week straight? No. Yeah. It's like I get bored after like, you know, a day or two of it. Uh, yeah, I agree. So it's just like, do I truly miss my friends? In a way, but like my friends out here, we have like a stronger bond due to like yeah, there's these more runs like, and adventures we do like common interests. Yeah. yeah, so I, you know, it's like it's it's weird. Nice. So, all right. So I've got a quote from Ray Dalio, who's a hedge fund investor, and he wrote a book called Principles. One of my favorite quotes was, "If you look back on yourself a year ago and aren't shocked by how stupid you were, you haven't learned much." So, oh man! <laughs> so, I, so I'm not. I I'm not saying you're stupid, no. but I'm saying when you look back, you should realize about a year ago you were probably stupid to how you are now. So, what have you learned from a year ago? Man, so I, I mean, I don't even know who this guy is, but it's <laughs> it's kind of funny because like every time I think about like key decisions in my past, oh gosh, I was really an idiot, or like uh, I always look back and like. I don't want to say I get embarrassed about like stuff I've done in the past, but it's like, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> um, is there one big it, learning lesson? Does it have to be one year? No, I just, if you look back at one point in time, I guess a couple of years sure. ago, um, you were like, I was so stupid. So, and I've grown so much since then. <laughs> um, I used to be really type A about like a training regiment. Um, mm -hmm. It's funny. I know I make fun of people in this town about it, of like worrying about exactly what they put in their body and hitting this heart rate and this mileage and this, like I used to be that person when I was like training for triathlons. Like if I didn't hit like 60 miles running 300 miles cycling, and then if I didn't hit threshold workouts, I was like legitimately upset. Um, and like, I cared about everything, um, like every little detail, everything. And it's like, like that's, I don't know. That's like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like just imagine like how much stress that induces. And now I'm like, uh, I, I don't want to say I'm like completely type B, but it's like one of those things. Like I have like, just more, I just go with how I'm feeling and just like let things play out on their own and let, and let, um, things happen. So I don't know. Does that, yeah, I feel yeah, like, so you're just more, you know, going with the flow as opposed to yeah. <laughs> being so strict on yourself. Yeah. And like, I'm having more fun on adventures and like, like, just, like, imagine, like, if you were so gung-ho, like, if you go out on, like, you know, you're running and you have to do this route and you take a wrong turn. You're going to be so mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so it's just, like, I don't know, like, just letting things happen and progress naturally. Um, and just not, just something bad happens, oh, well. Yeah. Make, make good out of it. And I know that's, like, cliche, but it's just... Yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing of like just realizing when I was younger, it's just like, wow, you had so many other cool opportunities that you passed up because you wanted to stick to your training regime or you were afraid of screwing up a race or like, just like, I remember like not traveling abroad due to like a college girlfriend, like how, like, like I'm never going to get that back. Like, mm -hmm. like that experience of being 21 in Europe or South America. So what things do you have, I guess, buried underneath or even you think about all the time that you want to do, but you don't do either because of your intense training in the past or your intense training now, I'll say, do you have like something like, say you're a painter, and you, you kind of put it aside because you got so into running and training and stuff that you wish you kept doing? 
No. Um, I would say the biggest thing is, is I love my job here in Durango. And I got, I got like, when I took the, signed all the paperwork and, you know, got welcomed aboard, it was like, I almost, when most people would just be like, they finally got their dream job would be so incredibly happy and stoked. Um, I almost went the other way and got a lot of anxiety because it's like, now I know I'm here for the next 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) And I got like really, and I guess, I guess if I, if I didn't find what I wanted to do is, um, I often think about moving down to Patagonia and living in South America. Um, and like now it's just like, well, it's, it's like a less than a 1% chance of ever happening now that like yeah. I have a job I love. Uh, I love my recreational life here. Um, I love my social life. I love so much. And it's just like, so I guess instead of like being just incredibly thankful for having all these things I love, complete mm-hmm. first world problem here <laughs> of just having like my life laid out of like, all these cool things I get to do now um, and like how much free time I get with this job. um, I get a little anxious in the fact that I can't leave it for two years now and go to Patagonia and just like live there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess there's always a possibility, but it's like, if I do go down there, I know it's like a 95% chance I'm coming back. And I think that's like one of the, best feelings ever is the unknown Mm -hmm. so like like you know if i never found this job or anything you know if i moved there i would have that like i might be here forever Mm -hmm. um and i think that's kind of a cool feeling of not really knowing like not having a a, an end date does that make sense yeah so it's like your own like it's a new adventure yes exactly because there's no like let's just say i got like a one-year sabbatical i know it's ending in 12 months Mm -hmm. so no matter what you have that deadline in your mind you may not think about it every day but it's there subconsciously that deadline's there for anyone Mm -hmm. so i guess um yeah I, i guess that's that's my that's the thing now of like, I might never live in Patagonia. I might never, I don't even know if I like Patagonia. I haven't, haven't been down there, <laughs> but you know, just seeing and reading about it. Um, yeah, I guess things is, is like my adventures can continue down there. I don't know. I think these adventures and I think they're a part of me from now on and out. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing out. I wish I would have found them earlier, actually. Mm-hmm. So is that your biggest fear? Getting older? Uh, is... Going going blind is the first one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, going blind. Yeah. Going blind and like not doing advent. I don't know. Is that weird? What's yours? Um, yeah, I always thought my biggest fear would be that like I got a job and then all of a sudden I like woke up. Like I, I like all of a sudden years down the road, all of a sudden I was conscious and I was like overweight working at a desk. Right. And like, I like had no idea what happened to the like last 15 years of my life or something. I think that's my biggest fear, but I don't, sure. that's, I guess a weird fear. Cause I don't think I, that'll ever happen. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I think you see that happen to a lot of people. And I think like, you're just so self-aware that you see it happen to other people that like, it's almost become yeah. like a, problem with you i mean i don't know has, has that happened to any of your friends I, I have no idea i haven't really asked them that but yeah well, I like think... just looking at i mean like i don't think you could ever like i don't like would you ever admit that i feel like i would if i was in that situation you would if someone was like do you like your job i would probably be like no like if i didn't like the job yeah but do you think people would actually admit the last five years just passed them by yeah, I think they would. Really? I don't know. Yeah, I'll find out. I'll maybe, ask people. Maybe I'm too stubborn, but I, I think that'd be a phenomenal question. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> this this sounds really bad, but like, are you on, are you on Facebook? No. 
Ah, no, dang it. <laughs> uh, so like it, it'd be a really interesting thing. Like if you knew someone and like you kind of saw the progression of their life and, and once again, this is all like opinionated. Yeah. But like, if you thought they essentially just pissed away the last five years yeah, and then you ask them, I would love to hear what their response would be. And I understand that once again, your mindset versus their mindset's different, mm -hmm. but I'd be like, you totally pissed away the last five years of life. But like, if yeah. someone asked that, that to me, I, I would deny, deny, deny. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, like, I don't, how can you admit that? It depends on perspective too. Cause like what we want is different than what other people want. So I right. guess someone may want, you know, a steady job and a family and a house they just bought. Whereas to us, that, that might be like, that's like our nightmare. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. For sure. Oh man. Like, yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, that is a nightmare to me. But yeah, I often wonder, so like Patagonia for you, I wonder like, you know, for some reason I want to like live on a beach and I wonder like, am I ever going to get to that point? Because you're, you're in the mountains and loving it. Yeah. And you think you'll, you'll pass it up. I don't Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just, I've always wanted to live on the beach. So it's just weird to like still think about that and be happy where I am now too. But you, you can, you could easily pull that off. Yeah. You, you, you just got to go to like California, a lot more people, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. like, you, I mean, it's more expensive too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But you'll make more maybe possibly. Maybe. I don't know. Or like you get to like New Zealand or Spain, but you could pull it off there. Yeah. I feel like you get bored at the beach. Yeah. That, that's another worry too. Is like, it, it sounds so <laughs> paradise like to like sit on a beach and, you know, maybe work here and there, but just to like, hang out and listen to the waves. But it's so, like after a week, even so, on vacation, so, you're like, this is so, so it's actually kind of funny. You mentioned that, um, you know, like when I was going through West Texas or Texas on my bike, first of all, Texas took me 21 days to cross <laughs> 21 of the 55 days was spent crossing in Texas. It was over a thousand miles. I didn't take the most direct route, but anywho, people are like, you're going to end up hating Texas, blah, blah, blah. It's just nothing but some rolling Hills desert, Texas, and especially West Texas was one of my favorite parts because the scenery changed, even if it was ever so slightly from like hills to some mountains to just barren uh, desert. And when I wrote down the coastline, the, the PCH, I got bored after like, hmm. once I entered Northern California, mm -hmm. I was like over it. Like, and like so once again, it's like, yeah. I've seen the sunset over the Pacific Ocean for the past 17 nights. Huh. I've been listening to waves crash for the past 17 days. Like, and like sleeping on the beaches there. Don't get me wrong. It was nice, but it was the same scenery. Yeah. Every single day you look to the West, you saw the ocean uh -huh. and you saw the waves. And it's just like, yeah, I, don't, I feel like yeah. you would get bored. Oh, yeah. I've got a friend in San Diego and he told me, he's like, I'm, I'm, tired of the weather here it's so it's 80 degrees every day and sunny and he's like there's no change it, yeah i guess yeah you isn't that weird to, like, <laughs> to want like, a rainstorm or something <laughs> well i i miss chicago thunderstorms really don't get me wrong like i think um the monsoons here are impressive but um uh they last an hour I mean, come on, like Atlanta, you have those like five, six, seven hour, eight hour storms, right? Oh yeah. Just, just like torrential downpours lightning. for like eight hours. Yeah. I miss that. Yeah. I, I love the rain. Um, and you know, like, you know, in Colorado, what do they say? If you don't like the weather, wait an hour. Yeah. It's going to change. Like, look at today. It was like cloudy and then sunny and then it got super windy and then overcast and I don't know. It's sunny again. Sunny again <laughs> right now. It's just, yeah, no, I, change is good. So I can't see you on a beach. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe for a month or something. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> um, so yeah, speaking of change, you went from being a teacher to now working at the fire department. Right. Uh, why, like, why do you, why do you want to help people? Like, where does that come from? Um, so definitely, I mean, Let's, let's be honest, a little selfish of being a teacher. Think of, I mean, like, you know, you know, do you ever watch the Simpsons growing up? 
Yeah. Like they'll like kerbopple. I'm like, yeah, we do this for June, July, and August. <laughs> you know, as a joke in two weeks at Christmas, one at Thanksgiving, one in the spring, 10 sick days. Yeah, I definitely, I taught for the sole purpose of the time off. Um, really? Yeah. How can I maximize my time? Um, and essentially, um, going to the fire, like, I don't know. I always, you know, I always had that little kid um, mentality of like, oh, fire trucks, they're cool and like everything there. But I just found out like what type of schedule they work. Uh, like I worked 48 hours on, 96 hours off. Um, and that was honestly, um, scheduling is my number one appeal in life. Mm -hmm. And then two, um, and this is the difference between teaching in my opinion and what I do now is teaching was very static. Like it was day in, day out. It was more or less the same things. Like, you know, X amount of kids are going to give you trouble and like X amount of kids will do anything they can to get, um, um, good, you know, good grades. And with the fire department, like you don't know what you're going to get. Like, you're sleeping at 2 a.m. and yeah, you might get an intoxicated person and it'll be boring, but you might get like, you might have to run a mega code or like, you know, you might have to take care of a respiratory problem. And like, I like that pressure of like having to perform now. It's not like you get, it's like, oh, we'll just wait 15 minutes. <laughs> or like, you know, you have to do something now mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's yay or nay. Um, Another thing is the the family aspect at the fire department of like we cook dinners together, we eat dinner together, mm. we often eat breakfast together, like um, we train together. It's just like um, I call myself a very introverted extrovert where I love alone time, but I also love being around people. Um, so like I feel like I get – I get essentially 48 hours of being around a family and then I get 96 hours to kind of go do my own thing. Mm -hmm. So I get like a good balance. I don't know. It's like, we're trying to like find like a, a job that like suits all needs. Like just think about how much traveling you do. Yeah. And like how, like you just say like, I'm out of here for the next four days. Yeah. You can't like teaching. You can't do that during the school year. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, so a lot of the trips, Katie didn't come with me because she only, I guess you get a certain amount of sick days and a certain amount of personal days. Right. And, and so you, she used them up. So she's like, well, I can't. Right. Can't and you, you can't take three sick days in a row without like a doctor's note while yeah. teaching. Uh -huh. I don't know. Like, it's like, does that like ever like bug you that she's just like a random like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, she can't just go anywhere? Not really. No. I mean, sometimes it would be nice for her to, like, whenever I was doing, like, photography trips for her to come with me. But, you know, sometimes I guess it's it's good she's working. Sure. sure. <laughs> so <And> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, no, yeah. definitely. But, like, I don't know. Like, like I, there's definitely perks of, like, not having that Monday through Friday job, which, you know, the fire department's not. Like, um, just getting out to national parks or, like, traveling. Like, I'll be honest with you. I don't ever go to the grocery store in between uh, 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. anymore. That's like one of the perks with my job now. I could go, you know, at, at 10 a.m. and no one's there. Or I go and say, you know, like when I get off work and like find like I find joy in those little oddities of like traveling on a Tuesday versus traveling with everyone on a Friday, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I know your job's flexible like that too. And like, I don't think you realize how good you have it until it gets taken away. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So you never like grew up like being the helper? No. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I like Like it was never some like <clears throat> innate thing where you were that like that was your thing. No. No, not at all. Um Interesting. Like, and, like, don't get me wrong. I thought you were going to say, like, yeah, I would always help the neighborhood puppies when they broke their leg or no. something. No. I mean, like, I know that's unselfish, and I don't mean to, like, sound cold-hearted, but, like, yeah, like, do I like helping people? Sure, but is, does that actually give me, like, 
fulfillment? No, not at all. Like I look at work in a different aspect of like one, I, one, I don't really care about money. I need enough money to roof over the head, food on the table, adventure gear, and then adventures. Mm -hmm. That's what I need. Number two, I need time off because like you look at like, like all these, like, it's funny. Like when I caddied growing up and I was like, you know, country club, bunch of wealthy people, they're all talking about like, uh, working in the stock market or being a CFO, CEOs or accountants and everything they tell you when they got out of college until they were like 40, they worked like hundred some odd hours a week. Mm-hmm. You just wasted 18 <laughs> years. of Sure. You might have, you know, a seven digit bank account. You might have tons of money, stocks, and you get to take lavish trips now, but like, they just missed out prime years of their health. Mm-hmm. So like, and that's another fear is like, if I don't do the travel I want to do now, like what, like, and like you said earlier, you can die any moment. So right. like, what if, you know, you're 45 and you finally get your, you go on your one week vacation. Like that's your one trip. And like you right. had a heart attack the year, the year later, you know, you didn't, you didn't enjoy that 20 years after college. How many, how many trips do you take per year, would you say? Oh, I think last year, I think I was estimating between April and November. I think I was gone almost every other weekend. April, so April. So May, just say June, like a, July, August, September, October, November. An eight-month period. So it's eight months for 32 years, about 16 trips. Yeah. Just in an eight month period. Yeah. Okay. Think about that. You took 16 trips. Yeah. That's like 16 years for a lot of people, people. or even more years. Oh, <laughs> isn't that crazy? Think about yeah. It, like, yeah, I just six, I just having that freedom to do what you want. Cause here's the thing. Like you could like, you could try to plan stuff out from day one to the last day of your life. And it's not going to go according to plan. Yeah. Like that's a, the whole improv of like, Hey, I really feel like doing this today. So go do it. Mm-hmm. And not having that control to me is like, not like, like is not having freedom. So I guess like, that's like part of the reason why I like my job is like, I just looked at the lives of all these wealthy individuals. I'm like, your life sounds terrible. Like, (laughs) sure. It's great. Now when you're 50, but one, you're walking slower. You can't do all the things like I would do. Uh, It's funny. My parents always ask, they're like, why do you like going to Central America? I'm like, well, I want to go now. Well, I'm okay riding like a school bus on bumpy roads and I could sleep, you know, on like, crappy grounds or like beds at like you know ten dollar a night hotels and places because you know what when i'm 50 i'm probably gonna be like uh-uh i'm going to europe and i'm gonna like <laughs> sleep in a nice bed i'm gonna yeah. travel on a nice train car yeah but it's like so for now it's just like i'm gonna take advantage of the health i have so i am gonna go to like these third world countries and like experience their culture and like you know, do all the things that I d- won't feel like I'm doing when I'm 50. Yeah, that so, makes sense. I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Europe will have its... And Europe's expensive, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Just a plane ticket. <laughs> oh, it's absurd. Um, I'll ask this last question um, to wrap it up. Katie asked me this recently. Um, I was going into a, a race a couple weeks ago. It was, it was just a 5K. But she asked, what do I want to accomplish by doing it what do i want to get out of doing the race and so i know you're doing a race in new mexico month month and a half from now what what do you want to get out of it what more do you want to learn about yourself that you haven't learned in other races huh um and i know that's kind of hard to think about but no, it's it's actually but, it's it's funny because uh, I've I've kind of I've had this conversation. Um, I don't know, you can't really see, but on in my bookshelf over there, everyone always notices the first two books. It's the Dream Dictionary and a Field Guide to Lucid Dreaming. And um, they people always ask like, why do you why do you like care so much about it? Because I'm like, I know this sounds really weird, but like, you know, like 
if have you ever been like murdered in your dream or have you ever been chased down and like woken up like yeah it's the worst feeling ever mm -hmm. i'm like how often do you experience that emotion in real life and they're like hardly ever so my whole thing is like when a bad dream occurs i like to harvest that emotion and feeling even if it's extremely negative because it's an emotion you don't experience on a daily basis. Does that make sense? Yes. So when I race, um, I often push myself harder than I will. I can't train hard. I'm not like some of those guys who could, you know, like Whitner just ran that 232 marathon, mm -hmm. but he, he could train that hard. I can't train at where I race. I have like a imaginary fifth and sixth and seventh gear that only comes out on race day. So I often feel a physical sense and an emotional or mental sense that I don't feel too often. Um, mm -hmm. And that's always like when I race, I like to, I like to try to find myself feeling that emotion, mental state or physical state and kind of harvest it for a little bit because I know I'm not going to feel it or it's a new feeling and it deserves attention because it's different. So, and it's, it's an, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know really how to describe it. It's just like, it's just, I feel like we should all like. So you're just me, you're going to be pushing yourself to a point where you normally don't. Right. It's but not an everyday thing, but yeah. But it's more for like the feeling. Mm -hmm. It's more for like this, this state that you don't get on a daily, weekly, monthly basis because like pushing yourself during like your was like, uh, like a hundred miler was, is different than pushing yourself during like a 10 miler. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different emotion. So like the, the emotion that comes with pain is not the same every time you run or race. It's a little different. And I like trying to figure out that headspace, like, oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. And I like to more or less embrace that. That makes sense. It's it's a weird thought. Yeah. Just like I don't know. Yeah. Like if if you do something really bad in your dream and you wake up embarrassed, like I like to like <laughs> almost embrace that thought or emotion, just because it's like I might not experience this for another month or two, and it it's just so different. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I mean, why do you race? <clears throat> yeah, the way I answered it with Katie was I wanted to push my threshold. Um, kind of like the same thing, you know, that's not often done in everyday life. So I, I was telling her I wanted to experience a threshold of pain to where I have that additional experience under my belt to where I could push it a little bit more further the next time. Has it, has your answer changed? No. Then that was only a couple weeks ago when she asked me. <laughs> right. But has it changed since then? Like all like remotely? I don't think so. Yeah. Cause I think at this point in time, I think mm -hmm. I, I do want to push myself to a certain level of pain How and, do you and be able to, to, to handle it. And then how do you, how do you know, like, how are you going to be able to know that I'm pushing it? Well, like you've felt pain before. True. So I guess this so is how, a, yeah, how do you gauge the pain? So I, it, in a way it, it almost feels all the same. I guess it's more of a pain plus a speed. So okay. can I push the pace? So like, just say, for example, I ran, just say six minute pace today and it, it hurt really bad. So maybe next week I can, since I'm experiencing this pain, I know what it feels like and it's fresh in my mind. I can push to a 558. Sure. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you ever like, we get done with that run, do you ever be like, oh, well, I had more of a wind at my back. I, I my pain threshold didn't actually increase or like, Oh, sometimes it's a yeah, slightly yeah. easier route or just curious. Like, yeah, yeah, I was right. like, oh man, at that mile that I did in that run was so awesome. And it's like, well, it was a little downhill. So, <laughs> right. so yeah, it's hard to gauge. And yeah, when you race, it's not that often. So 
it's like once every couple of months. So it's kind of hard to compare race to race in a way. So you, you're going to gauge pain of a lot of it based off your pace. Pace and perceived effort, I would say. Okay. But it's also with what I'm training now, you can almost compare race to race a little bit better than say ultras because ultras, you know, has so much more differences in terrain and elevation gain. Whereas a 5k, yeah, there might be a couple more hills in one race to another, but overall you can probably guess within like 10 seconds what your finishing time is going to be. I feel. Really? Yeah. You don't ever feel like, (laughs) see, it's funny during like road races, I feel like I'm always on the edge of blowing up. Exactly. So like, but like, (laughs) I, I don't think I would ever be like, I'm going to come in within like, you know, even like a 5k like within these 20 seconds. Well, I just feel like with training and, you know, collecting your times, I feel like with the shorter distance, you have a better idea of what you're going to be able to do. If that makes sense. <laughs> so like, how would you feel if like you were doing that 5k and, you know, you pushed it harder than ever you were training, like. 2.6 miles into it, half miles ago, you, you essentially have to take your foot off the gas completely. Like, is that a success or a failure? So yeah, kind of like what you're saying earlier, it definitely, I think would be a failure in the moment, but I think it would be a success in that you're learning what you can do. Right. So, you know, maybe next race you adapt a little bit to maybe where you can go the full 3.1 miles and not blow up. But wouldn't you almost <laughs> want the next race to come out at that same pace, hoping you made gains? Yeah. At the same pace where you blew like So I feel like you need a measuring stick. Like you have to go. Just found out that the platform that I use cuts off right at an hour. So... That's why it cut out mid-sentence, I believe, on Sean. But what we were talking about was reaching a pain threshold with my racing. And he was saying afterwards that I should race to the point where I basically break down at some point in the race. And then hopefully next race, break down a little bit later in the race. And then maybe a third try or fourth try later, I don't break down, meaning that I push myself to a breaking point within the race. And then from there, I can figure out exactly where the pain threshold is. So anyway, sorry about that. And then there's one more question after this segment. All right, so now this is definitely the last question because computer's probably gonna die. Um, you mentioned your dream books. <laughs> I, at first, I thought that was interesting, but really, I want to know: Do you have a recurring dream, and what do you think it means? No, I don't. I used to as a kid. I used to have uh, um, nightmares, and it used to be the same nightmare every time and i used to actually like sleepwalk slash run during it uh like i've heard stories that you know i never knew what happened but like my parents would try to like get me and i would like run like they had to make sure all the doors were locked because like they couldn't like gather me like i was just like (laughs) yeah like they would find me like hiding in like really weird places and i would like bolt um which is like really crazy to think about like that like I had to have been somewhat aware to like make turns and run away, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But like I wasn't controlling myself. Yeah. Um. So no, I I guess I don't have any reoccurring dreams. I I definitely like you know when when things are changing. Um. I have like the you know like classic dreams and like of like. Um. I'll be like out on a boat and the water will start getting really choppy and big waves and a storm will come. Like when things are really unknown or like I'm going through like a lot of change, um, which I think is, you know, pretty obvious, just like the unknown. Um, 
I, I would say the most reoccurring dreams I have is is when I induce nightmares. Like, like I, I found like if I drink chocolate milk before I go to bed, I'll always have nightmares. Uh, I know it's super weird. Mustard seed does it too. Do Must- purposely, of course, because it goes back to like finding what? that emotion. But it's like going like I don't know, like like I, I I hate to bring it to this, but like, do you ever watch South Park? Yeah, you sir. So like, there's an episode where Butters was dating the girl, and when they break up, and Butters is heartbroken and crying and crying and crying. And, like, one of the goth kids are like, hey, Butters, like, you know, like, we don't care about anything. Or, like, you know, like, if you come with us, like, you know, we, we put our emotions aside. He goes, well, I'd rather be a crying little pussy and knowing what I lost and having felt love sure. than having, you know. And it's just, like, the whole thing, you can't be happy 365 days out of the year because then what's happiness? Yeah. And that would get boring. Exactly. No, it's <laughs> yeah. like crazy. So like, so like inducing a nightmare is like inducing emotions you don't feel on a regular basis. And I feel like that's super important to, to come to terms with feeling stuff that's not generally talked about um, or accepted or like, yeah, like it's almost like I try to embrace dark moments in my life. But the problem is, is you have to know you're going through them. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult. So, yeah. So no reoccurring, no really reoccurring dreams, like specifically, um, just, I'd say. But you induce nightmares. Induce nightmares. That's so crazy. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I'll maybe you, figure you, out. Try what? try taking like a tablespoon of mustard seed before you go. <laughs> you should probably start small. Yeah. But, uh, but it's funny. Uh, you can um, <clears throat> the uh, there was there's literature on it of two groups. There's priests up in Wisconsin who used to like just do dairy for like weeks straight because they claim they were like vision questing from God. And essentially their dreams would get all really whacked, like really wacky. Um, and I know there was, you know, like, um, uh, I can't remember what tribe it was, but the higher ups would all, all they would do is eat corn and essentially it made them like violent dream. And, it made them sacrifice people more because like it changed their mindset. And I'm not saying like, but like, yeah, people have like found that like eating stuff can change your like dreams. It can change your like subconscious and like really hmm. put you in a weird emotional place. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Like I did, I don't know how I found that out either. Like, but I just started linking. I'm like, like, Oh, every time I have chocolate milk, I have really bad nightmares. <laughs> oh, and like, That's crazy. I don't know. It's just something you kind of like go after. Huh. I'll try that tonight. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Is Katie home tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should probably do it at night. You yeah. home in case you like, you know, go kicking or screaming. Yeah. All right. Well, the computer's about to die. So, Sean, thanks for doing this. this of course. Was yeah. This was, this was a good time. Yeah. I was unsure about it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, ah. No, it's good though. Yeah, thanks, man. Of course. <laughs>